Turn to Matthew chapter 12, verses 46 to 50. Matthew chapter 12, 46 to 50. While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of the, my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. Father God, I thank you so much this morning for the chance to come to glorify you, to speak of your power, to speak of your might, to speak of your majesty. Lord, we desire to be the family of God you have called us to be. Lord, we come from a lot of different walks of life. We were born in different states and some of us in different nations. Yet you've gathered us here in this place to be your people. You've put us into each other's lives so that we can disciple one another. And so that we can be on mission in this valley for you. We could take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our neighbors, to our friends. To see them trust in Jesus Christ by the conviction and the power of the Holy Spirit. And they in turn begin to disciple us and disciple others. And so that we may become a, a valley of disciple makers in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we want to be evidence as we live our family's life together that the Son, the Savior, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, has come. We love you, Lord. Teach us to love you well as we live life together as a family of believers. In Jesus' name we pray, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, amen. If you're joining us for the first time this morning or haven't been with us in a while, we're finishing up our series on Life on Mission this morning. It's been a nine-week series, and in this series, the big things that I want you to be able to understand, my son, his eldest son, Ethan, has told me, Dad, you're spending way too much time going back and rehearsing all the stuff that you've already covered. So you need to get through it quickly and move into the, the sermon. I was like, all right, son, I'll work on that this morning. So I'm going to quickly, hopefully, go back quickly through what we've learned. We've shown that from the scriptures that all the believers have a call and a commission in their lives. We have shown that once we become the church, we are the people of God, saved by the power of God for the purpose of God. And that God has called his church to be disciple makers in all areas and all aspects of our lives. And then as we make disciples... We have to come to the understanding that we are always in the business of making disciples. We are always pointing the people towards something. The question is, are we pointing them towards Jesus Christ? And then so in life, we are called to be disciple makers. And we're called to do it not just individually, but as a body of believers, as a family together. 
Well, how do we go about doing that? Is the answer, is the question we want to answer this morning. We believe that the message we need to take to the community is the message of Jesus Christ, of who he is and what he has accomplished on our behalf. When we gather together on a Sunday morning, it is with one purpose in mind. It is to celebrate him. It is to glorify and honor him for all that he has done for us. It is an exciting, it is a wonderful opportunity. And as we celebrate Jesus Christ, as we take this message, the gospel of Jesus, into our community, we proclaim him and him alone. It's not what we've done to earn this. The gospel says it's, a, it's grace, right? It's grace given to us. And so we have no right to have this, but it's a free gift from God. And it's a wonderful, powerful gift given to us that we want to share with our community. And as we look at our church this morning, we want to be about three things as a church as we move forward. We want to be about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel changing our lives every single day. For by grace we are being saved. It is something that has taken place in the past. This action began in the past and is continuing in every single day of our lives. The gospel is radically changing our hearts. It's not leaving us the same. And for people who may have some come to me and say, you know, Scott, I just don't like change. Well, I was like, if you're a child of God, that's just something you got to get used to because the gospel is the business of changing our hearts. The Holy Spirit shines in our lives areas in which we need to surrender to him, areas where we have idols, areas where we have held back from him, and we must completely surrender, and the gospel continues to impact us. We are being changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, we have got this wonderful message of the gospel of Jesus that needs to be communicated, and we learned that we are to be disciple makers, and in being disciple makers means that we are being discipled, and we are discipling others in our community. This community is representative of the body of Christ. And guess what? We have been called to be on mission. In Acts 1.8, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ was supposed to go from Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's like saying, it's like saying Chelan, Chelan County, the state of Washington, United States, and the ends of the world. We are still responsible for taking this mission of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with everyone. So if we've got these three things that we're supposed to do, we're supposed to be communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ, living that out. And if we've got this, we're supposed to be living with brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ, being discipled and discipling others. And if we've got this mission to go and share this gospel with Jesus, of Jesus Christ to the world, well, then we, we want to do as a church body, then it makes sense to be the most effective that we can be is to combine these three things together. The, the activities that we most participate in will combine all of these three elements. Make sense a little bit? So this morning as we look at this, and so the how of how do we live life on mission and together, we're going to start to answer. Well, one of the things that church has responded and said, well, we want to have small groups and we want to do things. Now, when small groups were originally thought of in the, back in the 80s, small groups kind of had this dimension of people were starting to leave the church. There wasn't a close connection. And so they came up with this idea of small groups. And small groups kind of created the back door to the church. Well, we're going to have small groups for people to be able to plug into and spend time in fellowship with. And so it'll keep people from leaving the church. 
But the problem with small groups is they were created in many different ways. Some small groups were created with this idea of being very community or mindseted and very missionally mindseted, but it kind of left the gospel message out. And now, for some of you, how many of you may have heard of like the emergent church? Okay, it was a movement in the church. People recognized that we really need to reach, you know, take a community of believers. and We really want to go be missional. But we're going to leave the gospel message out. We're going to leave the Bible out of this message. And we're just going to go and be as radical as we can be. We had churches popping up in barns. There are seriously barn churches. And then not all of them are bad, okay? But they're saying we're going to play country music and we're going to sit on bales of hay. And we're just going to invite people in. We're going to have a hoedown every Sunday. Now, we're not really going to worry about the leadership structure of the church. We're going to really about, worry about the gospel and what's being taught. We just want everybody to feel welcome. We want everybody to feel good about coming and hanging out together. And so this kind of was that movement. There was also small groups that were created this way. We're just going to go do social gospel stuff. We're going to just go meet needs of people and pour out love to people and, and be really nice to people. But we're not going to tell them everything because they're just going to see Jesus Christ by our actions. And they're going to just know God's love because of who we are and what we're doing. But to not speak of God's love and just act it out is not loving. It's condemnation. Because it's teaching them works-based righteousness. It's not teaching them the grace of God that we're all sinners in need of God's grace and love and mercy. See, the gospel message has to be brought with the works and with the things that we're doing and how we're serving in community and how we're living life out. It is essential. You can't do it this way. Otherwise, you've gone off the deep end and you can go really, really scary into places where theology is no longer of a concern. And the word of God is really no concern. It's just a good moral book. And we don't ever want to see that happen. And so... We also see small communities or groups started that may have looked like this, where there was very much a gospel-oriented. The man, they're studying the Word of God. They're pouring themselves into it. They're entrenched in the Word of God, and they're spending time with other believers, and it's great. Big time studying the Word of God. People are growing in the knowledge of God, but they're not much application to applying the Word of God and taking it to their neighbor. I mean, they could have somebody right next door to them. They're having these small groups. And people are pulling in their driveway every week. And the house is filling up with people. And there's joy and there's laughter and there's celebration. And people are hanging out. And they're having these great Bible study. But the neighbor next door, Frank, Frank doesn't know what's going on because nobody comes and tells him what's going on. He's just mad because people are blocking his driveway every week, right? But they're having this great huddle. And they're having this great time together. But nobody's taking that message and nobody's taking that life-changing gospel message that is from the Word of God and walking next door to Frank with it and saying, Frank, we're hanging out. We're having a great time. Why don't you come join us? It's a, it's a holy huddle. It's us four and no more. And we don't want that either. We want that if we're going to be getting together outside of this gathering on a Sunday morning and having celebrating life together, it's with the intent and the purpose of taking the gospel message with the brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ to the community in which we live. We can also see this take place, and often quite does. The gospel and mission, but there's no community. This is individually focused. This is me and my, whoever is going to be close with me or tight with me is, is going to go do this mission together. But really, it's just usually me and my family or, or me by myself. 
and I'm going to go be missional, and I'm going to go tell others about Jesus Christ, but I'm not going to have other people pouring into my life, and I'm not going to pour into other people. We can see this happen with what we call the, maybe some people who are disenfranchised with the organism or the institution of the church. People who've gotten hurt by the church will say, you know what? I am really done with the community of Christ because they've hurt me. I've been damaged. I've been broken by them. And so I'm going to go serve Jesus Christ by myself and do these things over here. And the community can go do whatever they want. But I'm on mission for God. And I've talked to Christians who are like this. Christians that love to do what I call theology in a closet. They're off by themselves. They secluded themselves. And they are not part of the community, part of a body of Christ being poured into, being discipled as well as discipling others. We don't want this either. And we have a lot of disenfranchised folks in our valley. We have a lot of people that have been hurt by the institution or the organism of the church. They need to see the love of Christ. They need to see that the family of God is imperfect and that there's grace need to be extended within the family of God. But they need us to go out there and reach them. As Christ went and pursued that lost lamb, We shouldn't give up on these people. We need to pursue them as well and show them the love of God and that discipleship looks differently than maybe what they've experienced before. We don't exist to serve the institution or the organism of the church. We exist to serve God and God says the way that we serve him is by serving one another, right? And so when we do our small groups, our gospel communities, our life groups. I'm not hung up on the terminology. I'm really not. I know we've, we've talked about that. And Adam, when we met with him down at GCC and we had a great leaders meeting with him, he, he said, you know, we're, we're thinking about changing the names of it. And I'm like, whoa, slow down. Because as he goes, it's really not about the name that we're calling our small groups. It's more about what we're doing in them. You see, we want... When we gather together small groups of believers to be sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, to be fulfilling the great commission of making disciples. You know what's interesting? I had a sort of interesting Facebook post about a week and a half ago. God didn't call us to make converts. He called us to make disciples. Think about that for a second. So many times we are so focused on just that moment of, of telling people about Jesus Christ and them, the Holy Spirit invading them and showing them that they need Jesus Christ. And at that moment, they trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. We get so focused in on that that we forget that God has called us not to just make a convert, not just to change the direction of one person, but to see them change direction, but to see their whole life continually change. That means us walking with them. That means us being a part of each other's lives, discipling each other and being discipled by each other. And so this is why at this time in our church body, some people said, Scott, just slow down. I mean, we've been kind of, this is my third year here. I, two weeks ago, we celebrated three years here. And uh, we're pretty excited about that. And it's kind of been a, a season of perpetual change for three years. Most people would agree who's been here through that. And some of them are retired. <laughs> some of them are going, Scott, would you please stop? But, you know, I just see that with the direction we're going and I see the, the things that are doing and it's very, very exciting. And I think that as we continue to serve God, it needs to be in a focused, purposeful direction. So what is the makeup of a gospel community, life group? Uh, uh, sm- uh, I don't like call them small groups. We can talk about that later. Um, it's got this kind of look to it. There's a core group of people. There's those that are leaning in and there's the mission. 
The core group of believers that are part of a gospel community is the core of two to four families. This is represented in a beautiful way in Colossians. Some of you are going, Pastor, where are you pulling this from? There's no proof of this in Scripture. Well, let's take a look at Scripture for a second. Colossians chapter 4. Let's let's listen to Paul, how he speaks of his core. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, oh boy, here we go. Aristarchus, Aristarchus, thank you very much. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I was a Greek student. Yeah, here we go. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision among the fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature, fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and those in Laodicea and Areopolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it read also in the church of the Laodiceans. And see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Paul sets an incredible example of people pouring into his life and him pouring into theirs. He was of great comfort to me. He encouraged me. I'm sending you to encourage you. This is a beautiful depiction of Christian relationship and Christian friendship. And brothers and sisters, if Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, needs a core people around him pouring into him, it ought to speak to us that we should listen and adhere to what Paul's example sets for us to do the same thing. If Jesus himself gathers 12 men around him and he teaches them and he pours into them and he instructs them and he sends them out two by two so they might be an example of this model of them pouring into each other and being strength for one another. As one is weak, the other is strong. As when one falls down, the other picks the other up. Ecclesiastes 4, right? It's a beautiful depiction that we need core people in our lives. We need people whom we regularly meet. We regularly break bread with. We regularly pour into This is essential in our life as we live for Christ. Who is your core? Who is it this morning that you could identify in your life, family, two families, three families, that you can reach out to, that you regularly meet with, that pour into your life and you pour into theirs? That when you speak to each other, you speak the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they have the freedom and the right to speak into your life when you're sinning and you're messed up and you're speaking harshly. They have the right to say to you, man, you really ought to watch your tone. 
They have the right to say when they watch how you treat your spouse or they treat your friends, and if they see you treating your spouse or your friends ugly or wrong or harshly, they have the right to say to you, hey, man, that's not the love of Jesus Christ. You see, this is absolutely essential as we walk this journey of faith. We need each other. I can't be that for everybody. Dennis can't be that for everybody. Dave can't be that for everybody. Tom can't be that for everybody. Steve can't be that. Neither can Robert. The elders of this church are finite men. And we have a limited scope of influence and ability to minister and pour out to people. And guess what? Jesus didn't say in, in Matthew chapter 28, 19, and 20. Jesus didn't say. And it's the elder's job to make disciples of all nations. <laughs> he didn't say that. It's our job as children of God to make disciples and to pour into each other's lives. To grow up to maturity together. It's our jobs to be influencing each other and pouring into each other. So I ask you this morning, who's your core? Who are the people that have the ability to pour into your life and you into theirs? And your core must be children of God. Your core must be people who desire to serve God and love and follow after him. That's extremely important. Because the core have the, get to have the, 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 the deep-seated conversations with you. They get to pour into your life. They get to be the ones that when there's a celebration to be had, they're there. They're the people that, man, when there's a birthday party or when there's an anniversary or somebody got a pay raise, you're calling them up. They're some of the first. They're on speed up. Any of y'all have favorites lists in your phones? Okay, I, I, I got a few of us. Those people are in your favorites list. They're there so that, man, in one touch, boom. Hey, guess what happened? I got to tell you what this went on in my life. This amazing event. They're there when the kids take the first steps. They're there when they're hearing about all these things, when celebrations are going on in your life. They're there when things go bad, when, when your heart gets broken or, or something goes wrong in your life or you lose a loved one or you just heard of an illness in your family. They're there. They're the ones that, boom, this just happened. And they're the ones that are saying, you know what? I need you to be praying for me. It's been amazing as, as our gospel community has begun to grow together, unite together. And, and somebody will send out, I'm having a hard day and I'm struggling with this. And texting it out, boom. And we've got like group text. That's, it's a beautiful thing. Group texting is a beautiful thing. Group text it out, having a hard day today, having a hard time being a disciple of Jesus Christ today. My faith is weakening today. Boom. And you know what's crazy? We sent one out this last week in regards to some, some parenting struggles we were having. Within, no joke, two minutes, six replies. We're on our knees praying. We're praying for you. This is a hard day. We're there for you. See, that's what core looks like. That, that spiritual intervention, that, that being able to reach out and pour each other. That's what Paul's talking about. These men and Paul's life in this. Don't forget these ladies too. There was a lady mentioned in here as well. These people were able to pour into Paul's life and administer to Paul and strengthen Paul and in turn strengthen others. We need this, brothers and sisters. The evil one does not want us drawing together and forming these tight-knit relationships and, and pouring into each other's lives. He wants to keep us divided, secluded, and away from each other and easily picked off and targets. Core. They regularly meet. It's family time. These people are close as brothers and sisters, biological brothers and sisters. 
They meet together, men with the men and women with women. They get meet together as families together. Children involved in this time get to watch and witness what it is men to become men and women to become women. In our gospel community, we've got a teenage girl who doesn't have a real active dad in her life. You know what's really cool? Is I get to, I get to play the role of, this, of a spiritual father to her. And so do the other men in our gospel community. And we get to lift her up and we get to praise her and we get to tell her she's beautiful and that God's got amazing plans for her and that she's got, you know, she's got the most amazing heart. She gives the most incredible insights and wisdom. It's beautiful. And what's cool in our gospel community is, is my daughters have other men that get to pour into them and, and my sons have other women and other men that are pouring to them as well. And we're a family and we have the right, they have the right to say if we're, you know, being harsh on our kids, going, hey, um, you guys okay? Things are all right? That's a scary place to be, right? It's all, good and, it's all good and safe until somebody gives us parenting advice, right? That's when they cross the line. <laughs> no, that's when we get real, and that's when we get to draw together as a family, and we're going to disagree, and we're going to need to extend grace and forgiveness to each other. But that's what it looks like to live as a family, isn't it? So our gospel communities have a core, and this core is essential, two to four families. If you get beyond four families, how, now, how many you got? Like, some of you do have really big living rooms, but you get four families together. Now, if it's just adults, that's just eight adults, or it could be less than that if we have some singles with us, or it could be a whole lot more than that if there's kids involved, right? So you start reaching that four, four as a core, and you start, that's really hard to continue to gather together regularly. And it's really hard to continue to meet together. So once you reach that four, now another part of when we talk about gospel communities and, and mission is that we understand we're growing. We understand that as you reach people for Christ, not yet believers, and they come to faith in Jesus Christ and get discipled, guess what? Your groups are going to grow, right? And then they're going to multiply. You see, the intention of these groups is never to stay together forever. Is that they will see people come to faith come in, be discipled, and they then turns grow and become leaders and lead other groups. That's the exciting and beautiful thing about the kingdom of heaven. Did Paul and Timothy just stay together forever? I mean, that's a dear relationship. Timothy is called Paul's spiritual son. That was a dear and close relationship. But Paul's intention for Timothy was never for him to walk with him forever, but that Timothy would grow up into maturity and go lead other churches for Jesus Christ. That us, that we would grow up in maturity and pursue where God calls us to go. The next part is leaners. These are the curious, the not yet believers, and maybe the disenfranchised, maybe those who've had a Christian exposure or church exposure, or, but yet have run away from this idea of, of church. You may have people that are curious. You know who comes to my mind when I think of curious? Nicodemus. He's curious, but he's really, really like slightly curious because when does he come to Jesus? At night. He's not doing this in the middle of the day. He's definitely not doing it at the temple either. He's not walking up to Jesus in the temple and saying, hey, I got these questions for you, Jesus. I'm curious. No, he comes to Jesus at night under the cover of darkness so that he might have his questions answered. He's leaning in, and Jesus is not rejecting him. Jesus is teaching him and showing him the truth and showing him, talking to him about the truth of the gospel. Jesus is pouring into him. And we see at the end of the Gospel of John, 
that he goes from being a leaner to being part of that, that core as he is the one that is helping take our Savior down off the cross. Isn't that cool? See, the leaners are people that you may have conversations with, and they've started asking, okay, I see you live in your life, and you're weird, but I like it. I see you loving each other, and you're forgiving each other, and you're, you know, they may be that neighbor, Frank. They're watching you guys gather the gospel community. You've started talking over the fence, and they're going, okay, what's going on in your house all the time? You're having people over there. You're celebrating. You're having a good time. I don't know Christians could have that much fun. I thought you guys were just a bunch of dreary folks that got together in a building with, with dark lights and windows closed and, you know, doors shut. It's a, no, we're having a great time. And, and so I like with that. Can I, can I come over and celebrate with you? Absolutely. Come on over. And then they start asking questions about why are you celebrating? Well, because Jesus Christ. We're living our lives that demand a gospel explanation. We're living our lives in a way such that these people are seeing us and they're going, who is this Jesus? I want to know more about him. They're leaning in. Invite them in. Invite them to your core times. Invite them to your times when you're meeting men with men and women with women. Let them see. Be vulnerable. Be exposed as these people. And they may come in and they may go. They may ebb and flow in and out of your, your time together. But don't ever give up on them. You'll run into them in the community. We have a small community. We're always running into each other, right? I'm standing next to Eric and Randy Gleesman, and they're, they're chatting about people they know in this valley. Oh, my goodness. I wish I would have had a wall diagram for all the names and the families and how you're all putting stuff together. I mean, there's a lot there to learn. But we see each other a lot in this valley. And so we're going to ebb and flow in and out of each other's lives. And so they, could, they, may come, they may be part of it for a while, and they may leave. But we're going to continue to stand ready to bring them back in when they're ready. Touch base with them. Call them. Check in on them. And when the Spirit moves and grabs hold of their hearts and draws them, because this is not your work. This is his work. This is us just living the gospel out because of what he's done for us. And as he changes their hearts, we're standing ready to receive them. We invite them in to core times. And then we have the mission to the ends of the earth, right? We're supposed to take the gospel message. As gospel communities, we understand that our intention for gathering together is to disciple one another and also to reach the the not yet believers. And so we're going to do things intentionally to reach people. The beautiful thing about what we do together is that we all have unique giftings and you all have unique abilities and we have unique callings. For some of us, it may be where we live. You know, Mike Moore is, I'm telling you, Mike, you've been in the Valley six months, seven months? October. October, okay. Mike's having his neighbors in. Mike's got a heart and a burden and a passion, and I want you to talk to him, please, for his neighborhood. And he wants other believers who have that same passion for his neighborhood to come alongside and reach the lost. It's beautiful, and it's amazing to see people, hearts, and minds get attuned to reach. And maybe you got a core group of people gathering together and there's like six families that are just burning on your mind. And you're like, we're going to pray for these six families. We're going to do events to invite these six families in. And we're going to just pursue these six families in the name of Jesus Christ. It could be that, guess what? Steve has a huge affinity for music, loves music. And so Steve's like, man, I love music. I would love to, I'd love to hang out with musicians and I would love to do, hang out with other Christians who like music. And maybe we're going to pursue, we're going to be at the Vogue every Friday night hanging out at the Vogue, talking with people, pouring into people, and reaching those people. And, and you know what? Maybe when there's guest musicians in town, Steve's going, hey, come stay at my house. Don't, don't pay for a hotel. And all of a sudden, the word gets out that Steve really loves musicians, loves hanging out with them, loves talking with them. And the house, house becomes a revolving door for musicians coming in and out of town, and he's able to show them the love of Christ and him and his community. Maybe that's what God does there. I'm not saying. I'm just... <laughs> 
Just saying. No pressure, Steve. But you see, that's the beauty. That's the beauty of what God does for us. And God does in our hearts and lives. He takes what we think is just normative in our lives. Just things that we've grown up with and things that we know we like to naturally do. And we're thinking, this is nothing really spectacular. I, I like to plant flowers or I like to cook pies or I like to go on runs or I like to read books. Or I, these weird things that just kind of make us unique can be turned in a way as we join with other believers to minister to the lost of Jesus Christ. I don't know if we've stopped to look at these things that we do as a possibility for that woodworking, construction, finances. Do you want to talk about something? People in this day and age are struggling with finances and there. And if there's a group of people that love talking finances and crunching numbers and, and doing that stuff together, you realize how you could minister to other people and pull people in as you just say, you know what, let me love on you. Looks like you're struggling. Let me love on you for a while. Walk alongside you with finances and all of a sudden you're talking numbers one second and minus and subtraction and percentages. And the next thing you know, you're talking about Jesus Christ crucified. You see, that's what God can do. He can take the things that are normative, working on cars, helping folks out. We have people in our community that can't afford car repair. But maybe a group of men who love working on cars and getting their hands dirty and cut up and busting a few knuckles can reach some folks and walk alongside with them because they got a broken car. God can use a broken car to reach them for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I hope you're starting to see that the things that, that make us unique and, and gifted for God can be used in the gospel ministry. And it's cool. Isn't this cool? The avenues through which God can use and open up. Amen. You see, I believe Matthew chapter 12. And I'm most humbled by my Savior's statement. You see, I'm not asking you to do this. I believe God is calling us to do this. And God has commissioned us to make disciples. Not option. Not optional. And God has commissioned us to live serving one another, loving one another. How will they know that Jesus Christ has come? How? I love one another. You see, these aren't options. Maybe somewhere along in our theology, we thought they were. Maybe somewhere along in the way we were living Christian life, we, for some reason, all of a sudden, these things became optional. But they're not. Disciple-making, loving one another are not optional. So guess what? We as a church body have to create a way in which we can do this together. Now, some of you are saying, you know, I'm not ready for this yet. I'm not ready for the gospel community model. That's cool. We're still going to have our men's prayer breakfast. We're still going to do our ladies' Bible studies. We're still doing Awana. We're still doing VBS. We're still doing a lot of different things for ways to get involved and be a part of and get to know the church family. And maybe you might go, okay, this, these aren't as scary people as I thought, and we can start stretching out a little more. But for those that are interested and those that are wanting to say, you know what, I want to become part of this. I want to love people this way. I want to be a part of people's lives this way. I want to, I want to get weird and I want to get scary for Jesus Christ. I need you to write down a date this Friday. This Friday, I'm sorry, short notice, but um, our elder over gospel communities and living missionally is, Bert, or is Robert Bordner. And Robert goes into slide water seasons. Now, how many of you know what slide waters is? A water park in town. Robert's part owner of that. And they go to ballistic speed during the summer. 
And it's crazy for them. And so he's got to get this done before the water park opens. So this Friday at 6 p.m., we want to invite all who are interested in becoming part of gospel community or learning more to come. Our gospel communities are going to feed you dinner, show you a video, share some testimonies, and then we want to, everybody that is interested in becoming part of a gospel community, we want to start gospel communities for you. Adam James said the biggest, one of the biggest regrets, he emailed me this week, and he said one of the biggest regrets they had is that for everyone that wanted to be a part of one, they didn't have them. So we want to do that. And so that means that we're going to have some people need to take some leader training. We're going to need to do some more educating and working together. But I believe that, you know what, let's, let's start it out. Let's learn together. Let's go through the bumps together and let's be a part of each other's lives. Let's get scary. Why not? And let's see God work. And let's see God do some things. And we'll see some groups get started. And all of a sudden some people realize, wait a minute, I wasn't ready to, to get started yet or get ready to lead yet. And they get consumed into an, or brought back into another group for a time and then get re-sent out. It could happen. And that's okay. That's not a failure. You see, we learn and we grow together. And that's what makes this exciting. Now some of you may be feeling that this is a program. I don't think I've described a program to you. I've described a lifestyle to you. A lifestyle where people are living with each other daily, involved in each other's lives. And I'm not saying you're getting together daily. I'm saying you're regularly interacting, texting, calling, you know, checking in on each other, regularly getting together to eat meals together. You know, again, that Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47, take another look at that, read that. Being in each other's homes, sharing life together, celebrating, mourning. It's what we've been called to do together on mission for God to take the gospel message. This is a weird sermon this morning, and some of you are like, man, this is kind of different. I wasn't expecting to come to the gathering this morning and worship and celebrate Jesus Christ. But I believe learning to do this is a huge celebration of Jesus Christ. I believe as we learn to do this well and spend time together, we will reflect God's love in our communities and with each other. And all of a sudden, people are going to come into our Sunday gathering or meet us on the streets and see us, and they're going to see a radically different church. Because they're going to see a people that are open. They're going to see a people that are loving. They're going to see a people that extend grace on a regular basis. That forgiveness and repentance are parts of a daily vocabulary and practice that they use. That hard-heartedness and bitterness are things that we extinguish and hopefully put to death by the power of the Holy Spirit on a regular basis. And we don't let walls build up. And we continue to remain vulnerable to each other. And people see real Christians living daily on mission for God. You see, I don't want it to be about a fancy Sunday morning gathering when we're going to have hiccups on media, okay? We're not perfect, and we're not going to panic when they do. When they happen, they're going to go down, right? And it's going to go, and we're going to go, okay, God, what you got for us? And you know how beautiful how great thou art. Y'all were singing, hands were raised. I mean, I'm, I had to go back. And God blessed me this morning because I went in the back to check on the computer. And I'm getting to watch you worship. Oh, it's cool. 
God just needed to do that to clear our minds this morning to take our focus off of this and put it on him, right? Isn't that cool? God does that for us because, you see, the mistakes, the the stuff that goes on like that, God can use for his glory. No problem. That's just what he does. That's why we can live life this way. And we can say, you know what? This this group over here living this way and this group over here this way are going to look different. They're going to look radically different. Why? Because we're made up of different groups of people with different passions. But they're going to have commonality to them. That They're going to have a core of believers. They're going to be pursuing Christ in all of life and, and with a perspective and the idea of reaching the lost for Jesus Christ and discipling one another. That's what they're going to have in core and commonality. Now, the way in which they do it, the way in which they go about it, that's what the cool is. The mantra for these groups is high accountability, low control. We want you to have the freedom to pursue Christ. We want you to have the freedom to to tell God's story in so many beautiful different ways because he has told his story in and through your life. You're part of his redemption plan. Isn't that cool? Close with this. This week, we, our gospel community has started a, the gospel primer workbook. And the second week, I think it was the first day, asked the question, how would it make you feel if you saw your name in the Bible as part of God's redemptive story? I'm going to be very honest with you. I started crying. Because my name is part of God's redemptive story. It's not written in the Holy Scriptures. But it is written in the Lamb's book of life. And it will be read someday. Knowing that I'm part of God's redemptive story. And he's working salvation now in me. And he's working salvation now in you. And guess what? He's preparing us for a work that is beautiful and that is wonderful. We have purpose and we have a plan, part of God's kingdom work. As you think about this, as you pray about this, I ask that you would just open your heart and come next Friday. Go this Friday, the 15th, 6 o'clock. Get fed. We're going to celebrate Jesus. You're going to hear some incredible stories about what God's already done and what God's doing. And say, you know what? Open your heart. Say, God, who's? If you don't have a core, If you don't have a core group of family, if you don't have somebody that's just that tight-knit group, begin praying about it. Who, God, do you want me to partner in ministry with? Prepare that person so Friday night when we get together, those connections start to be made. And knowing that we're going to partner together in ministry to serve God, to disciple each other, to be on mission for God in everyday life, this is an exciting journey. And for those that are still questioning, is this for me? This is a safe place to learn. Please, This is a safe place to continue to come and to listen and to grow. This is the last Sunday in this series. Next week, Mike's going to come and deliver God's word to us. It's exciting. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm not going to be here, so uh, (laughs) somebody's going to (laughs) preach. And just a great chance for us as God's people to serve him. And then we're going to go back into Matthew. We're going to spend some time in Matthew. I'm excited for us as a church body. I'm excited for us to really get to know each other. And I'm going to close with, I said this earlier already, but I'm going to close with this, a confession and repentance, asking your forgiveness for something. 
You know, when we began these groups, we did not mean to exclude anybody. Last year, um, last, I think January, I think it was, when we did our, started our, our leader training. And then we had three, two groups get started that turned into three groups. And even as we went to three groups, we didn't handle that very well. We, if you at any time during this process were injured or hurt because you felt left out, I'm sorry. That was never our intended purpose at all. We wanted to focus, get started, and, and learn about this and go through a process, but we did not mean to injure anyone. And so as the pastor, I stand here and I say, I'm sorry. And as we move forward, that's not what we want to do. We want to open this thing wide open and we want to learn together. And we're going to ask all the questions we can ask. You're not going to offend us. We're going to grow together as a body of believers so we learn a new way to live. For some people, for other people, this is old hat. They've been doing it for years. But for some people, this is a new way to live. And we want to lovingly lead and graciously guide through this time. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, I thank you so much for the love of Jesus Christ that was so powerfully demonstrated as he walked this earth, continually teaching, continually showing, continually demonstrating that love to a hard-hearted group of people, to a group of disciples that just struggled in understanding and learning and spoke hurtfully and harmfully. Yet Jesus continued walking the journey that none of us could walk to the cross. And on the cross, he became our sacrifice. He took our place. He took our sin. Not because we deserved it. Not because we've done something that would give us the right to be called children of God or the right to be forgiven, but because he just loved us. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. And thank you, Father, for loving us so much that you've taken care of our sin that we might be called children of the Almighty God. And Lord God, there are so many people out in our community that need to hear this message. And Lord, I just pray that we'd be faithful servants and faithful missionaries and faithful as we serve as the family of God. In Jesus' name we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.